Good morning. How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Good looking crew. You guys are a lot better looking than the first service people. I just want you to know. Way better looking. Those guys, man, they need to take it up a notch. They need to take their game up. I'm just kidding. But uh, I'm glad you're here. Hey, um, <clears throat> remember, if you step over into our kids area over here, uh, just kind of watch your step and watch where you're going. We're still in construction over there. We're doing some improvements. When we get done, it's going to be really nice. But in the meantime, you might may go over there and think, hey, what in the world's going on? Why does this look so bad? And, and the thing is, we're, we're working on it. So just be careful as you go over there. But at the same time, uh, next few weeks, you're going to see some really cool improvements. So I'm excited about that. Remember, no better investment than the next generation, right? No better investment. So Second um, Timothy tells us, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, I just I want you to know something. You're not just saved, you're called. It says, uh, God has saved us, and he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We are saved and we're called. So that's the idea of this. The idea of this series is that we will walk in the calling that God has for our lives. So the first week we defined what it is to be called. Kalesis is the Greek word, which means the purpose or the vocation or the, the purpose by which God has called us that that he didn't, just, he didn't just save us, but he placed us in his calling that would connect us to his eternal kingdom. Then we found out that, or we discovered, that God fulfills his calling in our lives as we connect to the church. That's why we have a church. We don't have a church because we need to show up and, and uh, hang out. I mean, I love all the things that happen. Hey, we, I, mean, I like the donuts, and I like the cupcakes, and, and uh, we had apple pie back there today. I, I love all that. I love all the coffee, but that's not, that's, that's just benefits. There's a purpose for what God is doing, and the point of us connecting every single Sunday is that you grow in the calling that God has for you. God fulfills his calling for your life through the local church. That's why we talk about growth track. That's why we want you to get involved in connect groups. That's why we want you to get involved in serving because I wonder, because we understand that God created this thing called the church where we would fulfill his calling for our lives. And last week I brought up Savannah. We shipped her off to Europe. It's a tough week for me. We shipped her off to Europe last week, and uh, she's into the second six months of her mission work in Europe in uh, actually a place called Stockton. And what we did is we talked a little bit about world missions. We gave you an example of somebody that's world missions. But remember, I don't know if you remember I said this, but we talk a lot about across borders and beyond borders, but if you want to reach people, start with your people. Start right here. Amen? There is a mission field right here in the United States, and that, that brings me to what I'm going to say now. Well, in the next, well, Tuesday, my son ships out, and he's joining the National Guard, and we have talked for the last few weeks about how God is going to use this in his life. And I believe that this is a step where God is going to take him as a young man in order to take him closer to his calling and also to reach people through this. So what I wanted to do is I want to bring him out because we're going to say goodbye to him. We're going to pray over him today. We were not going to see him for about six months. But I wanted to bring him out and I want to talk a little bit about this. Is this okay? All right, Baylor, come on out. Welcome him, will you? I love to be clapped for. 
It's one of my favorite things. Baylor loves to be celebrated. Indeed. So what There's we, a lot of that, I hear, in the military. There's a lot of celebrating. Yeah, a lot of celebrate and make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're in it for a rude awakening. <laughs> Literally rude. Okay, but uh, uh, we have, we have the, the thing about us, Baylor and I, is we have been together. Uh, it's just been us for the past seven years, and we got to talking about this, that we haven't been away from each other for a week. Not longer than a week in my entire life have you and I spent apart from each other. Yeah. It's crazy. So this is going to be, this is going to be a, a really, really tough thing. But, uh, you know, I was, I was praying about him, and I've, been, I've prayed for him every single night about this situation. Uh, you, know, it's, it, it, you know, I trust him, and I trust the situation. I've invested in him, and he's a product of this house. And, but at the same time, it's not easy when you're a parent, when you send your kids, like, okay, good luck. I'm handing you over to the world. <laughs> good luck with, you know, especially if you've, if, if you've raised them, you know, as, as far as up in a church like I have. And, but something that comes to mind is that our lives do not belong to ourselves. If you're a follower of Christ, your life does not. My son doesn't just, he doesn't belong to me. He's the Lord's. And uh, there are some things that I have invested in him and his life. And this is, I believe this is something that I, I, that I don't have the capacity or the time to invest in him that I believe is going to be a part of what he's doing. So real quickly, uh, Baylor, tell us why you would do such a thing. Why did you, why did you do this? Well, if you know me, um, I'm not like a manly, t- like I'm not feminine, but I'm not like mm-hmm. this tough, stone cold killer guy. Like that's, that's just never been me. That's more like me. Yeah. I'm not like, like the idea of, of, of shooting and all that, like it gets a lot of guys excited, uh, Richard, I know that that gets you excited, the idea of shooting a gun or whatever, but that's not killing really, something. yeah, killing something, You're killing something. yeah, like that stuff doesn't really get me going the way it animals. does a lot, I'm talking yeah. about animals, yeah, hopefully, yeah. Uh, but uh, so like that wasn't really a consideration for me, uh, the original reason uh, was because I was weighing out options, as with most things. It started with the idea of finances. It started with the idea of finding a way to pay for college. Um, I had a lot of options as far as that goes. But I looked into the military, first of all, and then I started looking at branches. And what's unique about the National Guard is that it's almost like a missionary's heart. Yeah. And that's why it spoke to me the way that it did. That's why I joined how, what how, I did. How, I mean, how's that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's within borders. For example, like Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. There was hurricanes in Austin last year. Whenever there's a natural Houston. disaster. Houston. Houston, my bad. Yeah. Um, whenever there's a disaster within the United States, you're basically a first responder. Mm-hmm. And that spoke to my heart. Yeah. Um, it's all about this. So I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on stage. Um, this is the Hebrew word, lechet. Lechet. Its original translation means to go. Mm-hmm. It's all about the idea of the Great Commission, going out into the world, preaching the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So first thing, it's going out into the world, being that first responder, getting to, getting to be the one who goes out, saves people, literally, and of course, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of going out and, 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 and being a part of a, of a platoon, well, we're honestly, I mean, God's not a priority. God's not the number one thing. I've never been in an environment where God's not the number one thing on people's minds. And the idea of bringing that into it, because in any situation, I'm not big enough to reach a platoon. I'm not big enough to even reach the people that I'll be in a barracks with. But God, using me as an instrument 
yeah. can really change people's hearts and change people's lives I agree. Within, within that context. So I'm excited for God to use me Make there. Sure you, I, absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that God is going to use you wherever. I mean, uh, make sure you... Make sure you express your opinions to the drill sergeant. Yes, absolutely. Every, every I have a comprehensive list I'm building on my phone of stuff not to say to drill sergeants. <laughs> um, hopefully, I'll get some more of those, but just, just for some, like, like uh, man, you don't have to yell. I'm standing right here. <laughs> or, uh, or, yeah, say that. Man, say that. man, just five more minutes, I'll be ready. Just give me five more minutes, just stuff like that. It's a comprehensive list that I'll bring back yeah. for you guys when I return. Uh, I know that, I, I know that, you know, you'll be back. It's six months, but at the same time, it's it's kind of tough because you've grown up here, you serve here, you're on staff here. I mean, you know the ins and outs and the all the pretty, all the ugly behind church scenes. Anything that you want to express about that or say about this before we pray? Man, a couple things. Um, I, have, I have two things I want to talk about just briefly. The first thing, he said, I don't want you to talk about that. I said, I think it's important. He said, okay, make it short. So I'll make it short. Um, he, this makes him uncomfortable. He doesn't like it, but it's important. And it's important that I, as a staff member, and the other staff members really lead by example with this. Honor your pastor. Create a culture of honor at Faith Co. Church. Man, I have a perspective that no one else has with this guy in that I see every single day, and I talk about this when I preach because it's so important. He wakes up, sits down, reads his Bible, then prays for you. Every single person in here, if he knows you, if he's known you for 10 years, if he's known you for a month, he prays for you, he cares about you, and he believes in you. He believes that you're called, oh man, can you guys put up the call to me? I was going to point to that, it was going to be a whole thing. There we go, example, visual aids. I believe that everyone in here is called, and he does too, to bigger and better things. So man, honor your pastor. Do things for him. Tell him how much you appreciate him. Today, after church, you're not going to believe this, but saying, man, I really enjoyed today's message really does a lot for him. Um, All right. See, he's so uncomfortable. He's so <laughs> uncomfortable, but it's because he's humble, and it's because he's not used to it, and because, I mean, that as, as, as members of the church, we're called to honor our spiritual leadership. I'm done. I'm not going to say right, anything thanks. about it. <laughs> so the second thing is, um, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, like, for example, I, I, uh, I was having a conversation with Fred Smiley. Is he, right? is he here? I, I don't know if he's here. There he is. There's Fred. Um, I was having a conversation with actually his dad and him the other day. And he, we were just kind of sitting down and we were talking about why, why is this going to be so hard? Because I'm not, my love language isn't quality time. I don't miss people very much. Um, I don't think, the, I, like I think the physical and mental tests are going to be difficult but I think I'll thrive in that environment. So I'm, like, I'm just like, man, why is it so hard to go away from this? And Fred was just like, man, it's because you're leaving your family. And him and I had this unspoken understanding of what that meant. Man, I'm a firm believer that we choose our family. It's, I mean, like, obviously, we're born into a family. But more than that, I mean, half the people in this room I'm closer to than I am to cousins and uncles and aunts and all that. Man, it's going to be so hard to leave my family for five months. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the hardest thing. And he was like, man, Faith Go Church, because I, I, he works in choir, so sometimes he has to go out and replace some people. He's like, every time I go there, I just feel like there's a hole in my heart because I'm not around my family. And that's how I'm going to feel for five months. But more than that, I carry you with me. 
I'm a direct product of each and every person in this room, whether I've known you for two decades or whether I've known you for a month. Listen, you've built me. This house, during the hardest times of my life, during the best times of my life, has been here. They've walked through it with me. And man, I love each and every one of you dearly. And that may be a little, that may be a little uh, for some people, but man, if you come into this house, if you come into this church and you go through growth track and you're a part of this team, I love you. And you're in my family, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you're, you're my brother or sister in Christ. And there's no better bond than that. And man, as I go out, I carry your vision, your hearts, your heart and your vision, this church's heart and this church's vision to love God, connect with others, reach the world. So my heart stays with you guys and your heart goes with me Amen. as I leave today. Um, I love you guys so much. So Amen. thank you so much for having me and uh, I'll be back before you know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Baylor, uh, one thing unique about Baylor, I'm gonna pray with you, okay. is uh, Baylor uh, sees... We don't have to hold hands while you say this. All right. We'll do it while we pray. Baylor sees, Baylor sees the good in people. He, he has this gift to see the good in people and he encourages them and brings it out. And he, he I mean, that's, he, this thing about honor, is, it's important to him. He worries about me while he's gone. So anyway, anyway, I'm gonna pray with you, son. Will you guys just extend your hands and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for my son, my only son. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the gift of raising him. I thank you, God, for protecting him and giving him favor and give, giving him a heart that longs for you and is passionate about serving you. Thank you for his life and his ministry. I pray, Lord, that you bless him. And, and Lord, we know that our lives are not our own. Our lives belong to you, and we send him out, Lord. We're not losing him. We're sending him uh, into this world. I pray, God, that you'll bless him, empower him, con continue to show him favor, but most of all, use him as an ambassador for Christ to meet people, Lord, that don't know you and to bring people to you. And we thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you, son. Love you, man. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> in Acts 20, chapter in the 35th verse, um, the Apostle Paul, or that's, this was actually Luke, says this, or he writes this. He says, you should remember the words of our Lord Jesus when he says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Today I want to talk to you about our call, the call that God has given to us, and that is the call to generosity. Now why did Jesus say that? It is more blessed to give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That doesn't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? It's more blessed, it's more blessed, it's more blessed for somebody to, to It's more blessed for somebody to, to hand me money than for me to give money. Wouldn't you think that? I mean, that's what you're thinking. That's what I'd be thinking. It's more blessed for me to get paid for the, for, than for me to pay somebody else. But that's not what Jesus said. I mean, this runs contrary to the wisdom of this world. It runs contrary to, it seems, common sense. It's more of that, you know, love your enemy kind of stuff that Jesus talked about, right? Some of that backward stuff that it was like, wait a minute, love those who despitefully use you, bless those people. When somebody asks you to go to my, actually go two miles, if somebody asks for just, just give to people, that doesn't even make any sense. But Jesus said this, 
In this world, if you're going to be my disciples, you're going to be different. And one of the ways that you're going to be different is you're going to be called to generosity. So that's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about our calling towards generosity. It's not just something that's in the scripture. It is as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ, we are called to generosity. If we're going to walk in this calling of generosity, the number one, I believe, there's three things I want to discuss today. Number one is that we have to realize that we have this gift. We have to realize that we have this gift. In Romans, the 12th chapter, in the 8th verse, it says this. If your gift, now remember that when Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit came to this earth. And with the gift of the Holy Spirit that is received when we give our life to Christ, the Bible says that we receive spiritual gifting. So he's talking about that spiritual gifting. He says, if you have a gift, if, in that, or if, if your gift is encouraging others, well, then be encouraging if it is giving, then give generously. If, if God has given you leadership ability, then take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You see, I don't think we realize that we actually have this spiritual gift of giving, or we have this spiritual, we, we have been spiritually gifted with generosity. I believe people in our country, most people within the United States have this gift of generosity. They've been gifted with it. The very fact that we live in the most blessed nation in the world empowers most of us as not just followers of Christ, but as a nation, we have been given this gift of generosity because of our abundance of resources. And I believe that most people have that, but the thing is, and the traps that we get in is we spend all of our resources. We spend resources and spend money that we don't have, but I believe if we really, really tap into and believe that God has given us this gift of generosity and, and kind of sow into the fact and, and explore this gift of generosity, I believe that we will begin to create margin, financial margin in our lives, cut back on our spending, whatever, maybe have to get rid of some things. And we will begin to walk in that gift of generosity. But the, that comes from realizing that God, is gen, that, that God has given us this gift of generosity. Uh, one thing, one way that you can, or one way to ensure that you always understand that we are a blessed nation is to cross the border. Just about every nation that you go into, even countries that aren't third world, if you just go into the outer, you know, the outer parts of the larger cities, you can see just as a nation that all over our nation, how blessed we are. About 15 years ago, we decided that we were going to go on our first mission trip. We didn't have any contacts to any mission field anywhere. And so, and somebody said, you know what? I know this like village in Mexico that we can go to. And we're like, I can't believe we did this. We're like, well, that sounds good. We'll go. So we took that Chevrolet van that sits out there. No, it's, we have a Ford now. It was a Chevrolet, a Maroon 99 Chevrolet uh, uh, van, and we crossed the border in Mexico, and we drove nine hours south into Mexico. I would not recommend doing that. There were some sketch places and sides and things that we encountered. I mean, that was that was the most probably one of the most foolish things. You know, it was God's grace that that we were we made it back. I, I, I just can't believe we didn't end up somewhere in a prison down there or something after doing that, but. The thing that you notice very quickly, and the thing that stuck with me, there are a few things that I remember about this trip. The main thing I remember about this trip is 
smuggling a gecko back across the border in, in, in a water bottle, in a water case. I can't believe I did this. I didn't tell the rest of the group. And trying to talk to the, I felt guilty. And I was talking to the guy that spoke English. I was trying to speak to him in Spanish because I got real nervous. And he finally said, okay, you guys pull over there. We're going to, and they un, completely unloaded it. Never found it, by the way. You had it for a while. I gave it to you. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Besides that, that's not what I remember most about the trip. But what, what was very impactful about that trip was here you are in the United States and you go a few hundred feet across border and how very, very different life is. And this light, come, or this, there's this realization that all of a sudden, whoa, I'm not in the United States. And it's not because people are mean or anything like that. It's just that it is very different. And what's amazing is how you can just go drive a couple hundred feet and, and, and experience a very different world. But what really stands out is just how gifted we are as a people and as a nation. And I want to tell you something. When, when, you, when you begin to realize just how gifted we are to be generous is when you realize and begin to walk in the calling, the calling of generosity and what that looks like. So realizing our gift starts with realizing just how gifted we are as a people of God and as a nation. But the issue with people like us, the issue with people, with somebody sitting across the aisle right now, is that really nobody gave us anything. We work hard for what we have right? And you got to take care of, and you got to hold on to what you have. Otherwise, you're going to get taken advantage of in our culture, right? Somebody's always trying to sell you something. Somebody's always trying to take what you have and, and take advantage of you. You got you to you, you be careful about that. And here's another thing. You, nobody gave us anything. We work hard. Does everybody here besides me, or is there anybody here besides me work hard for what you have? Maybe at this point in your life, you're not working as hard, but at some point in your life, you had to you know, put in some sweat equity. At some point in your life, you had to stay up late, get up early. At some point in your life, you had to pay the price for what you have, right? We have to work hard. The wonderful thing about living here is there's lots of opportunity, but nobody's going to give it to you. You got to go to work. You got you to hustle to get what you have. But the issue with thinking like that, and this is how we all, this is how I think. And I've said that before. Nobody gave me anything. Nobody's ever given me I have, I've had to work hard. I have scraped and scratched out a living. And the things that I, the, the problem with that is if we're not careful, we have the sense of entitlement that since I work so hard, this is what I deserve. Well, yes, I deserve the blessings of God because I didn't just believe. I didn't just, I didn't just, man, I sacrificed. I worked hard. I go to work every day. I wake up every day, hit the ground thinking, okay, I got I to gotta accomplish something today. And the problem with the way that kind of thinking is, is that you have this sense of entitlement to the blessings of God. And then when you have a sense of entitlement, then your, your, your heart to be generous kind of backs away a little bit. Just for a second, let me revisit that statement that I've said before. Nobody ever gave me anything. I thought about that statement. Really, what do I have? What do you have in your life that has not been given to you? That somebody or someone has not given to you? Your Heavenly Father gave you a mind 
to be able to wrestle through certain situations. He gave you the idea of your job. He gave you the mentality to be able to invest or whatever you did to become successful as a small business owner. God also gave you a healthy body to be able to get up in the morning and go to work. God also, I don't know why, I still don't have, have an answer for this, but why did God allow me to be born in the United States with so many of my friends living in third world countries? Why did God allow me to be born here? That in itself is, is one of the greatest, is the greatest opportunity right there. Why is it that God gave me the gift of being born here in a land of opportunity? And then, if you think about it, somebody gave you an opportunity. Somebody invested in you. You had a mentor. You had a father. You had a mother that taught you work ethic. Somebody gave you work ethic. Somebody saw some potential in you and gave you that, and then somebody gave you an opportunity. Your boss gave you a job. Somebody saw something in you and said, hey, come in here, and then somebody promoted you. And if you're a business owner, maybe, maybe you're a business owner, and you, and you work for yourself. Somebody gave you their business right? So if you really think about it, everything that we have in this life, everything that I have in this life, God has given us through other people. Amen? I mean, it'd be foolish for me to say, man, I've, I've got, nobody's given me anything. I've worked hard for this. No, there are people that showing up every single week that are giving their time, giving their finances, Yes, I work hard, but it's everything that I have is out of the generosity of a generous Father in heaven. Everything that we have. When we begin to realize that our gift of generosity comes from our Lord, we're more able to walk in that gift of generosity. You believe that? Say yes. Number two, first of all, we got to realize that we have this gift of generosity. Number two, we got to exercise our gift of generosity. Exercise our gift. Listen to Philemon, the sixth verse, it says this. One chapter, Philemon, says this. It says, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Don't, don't take this verse off. Now, I want you to think about this. This is a very powerful verse. I've never read it within this context. He says, and I'm going I'm to go from the bottom to the top. He says, as you begin to understand as you begin to understand generosity, and as you begin to experience generosity, he says, I'm praying that you're going to put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. Now, if you think about it for a second, there is a process to walking in the calling of generosity. There is a, a call, there is a, you know, we are called to this, but there is a process to doing this because we are, by nature, not necessarily generous people. And the Apostle Paul talks about this, and he writes this letter to the church in Corinth, and he says this. He says, and he talks about the gift of giving and the gift of generosity. He says, I want you to walk in this gift like you walk, and I want you to operate like the other gifts. For example, he says, just as you are growing in faith, as you're growing in the Word of God, as you're growing in serving, as you're growing in your prayer life, as you're growing in all of these areas in the church, I want you to grow in this gift of generosity. 
And here's the formula. I believe this is the formula for growing in generosity because it's something that takes discipline over time and it's something that we sow into our lives. It's, listen, I want to tell you something. You're not just going to wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, I am a, I, I'm a very generous person. Now you can say that, but you've got to be disciplined. It's kind of like this. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and say, okay, I'm, I'm a disciplined person with prayer and scripture and I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day. Now you can do that, but it's going to take some discipline over time. And generosity is something. You've got to make up your mind to do it, but there's a process. Here's what happens. As you begin to understand what God can do through a generous follower of Christ, and then as you begin to experience what God can do, not only in your life, not only does God want to enrich your life, Corinthians says, not only does God want to enrich your life, but he wants to make you a vessel so he can touch the world through your life. As you begin to understand what God can do through it, as you begin to experience it in your life, then you can put into action the generosity that comes through your faith. Isn't that incredible? The answer to that would be yes. That's incredible if you think about it, that, that, that God that God will do something in your life as you operate in faith. Look at that. He says it's an act of faith. Faith, you know, faith isn't always easy because there's some uncertainty. The, the, even with the word of faith, even, with the, even if we believe in the words of God and we have faith in that, generosity is a challenge for us. Why is generosity a challenge? Here's why. Let me take that verse off looking at it, wanting to read it again. Generosity is an act of faith that requires some sacrifice. That's what makes generosity different. There are other acts of faith. Let's say that you have faith that you're going to be healed in your body. Or you have faith that, that God is going to move in your business. Or you have faith for other avenues of your life. Well, those require faith but not necessarily sacrifice. The reason generosity is a challenge for us is it is an act of faith that requires sacrifice. And sacrifice isn't easy for us. We don't like sacrifice. But if you think about it, the sacrifice is giving up the good right now for the, great that God, for the greater good that God has for us. For example... If I'm believing that God is going to move in my life in the future, I might have to release something good in my hand. It could be time. I've got to invest some, some of my time, or it could be money. I could invest some of my money right now in order for God to do something great in the future. Generosity is like this. I might have to release some of my resources right now. It's a good thing that it's happening in my life, but if I will release it by faith, God will do something great in his kingdom with that. He will multiply and do something great, but it takes an act of faith. And the challenge is because of the sacrifice. But listen to Hebrews 13 and 16. It says this. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Everybody say share Share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Look at your neighbor and say, God likes it when we share. Have you ever said that to your kids? I used to have to say that to, to my kids all the time. God likes it when we share. You know why you have to say that to your kids? Hey, share. Hey, you need to share. Hey, share. You know why you have to say that? Because it's not born in them. 
From the moment that they're born, we minister to these kids. We serve them. They can't feed themselves. You got to put them in the high chair and feed them. Then they spit it all out. You got to clean all that up. Throw it all in the floor. You spend, you spend the first year, but they're, they're, they're completely helpless. You spend the first year and a half of just ministering to them because they can't do things, you know, by themselves. So they have learned to, to, by, to get your attention to scream or to cry or, to, you know, because they can't express themselves through communicating, through, you know, through talking. They might throw something to let you know their disapproval. So then we take them. You know, then we take them and we put them in the toddler's room and, and back there. And you know what they're saying? They're not saying share. You know what they're saying? They're saying mine. 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 There's, there's, not, there's not an overabundance of sharing over in the kids' room. You know what there's an abundance of over in the two-year room? To, to stealing. <laughs> violent, violent hits and grabbing and running. No, no, no. We share. God likes it when we share. Right? We have, to t- we have to be taught to share. And if you've raised kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But how does it make you feel when you see your toddler or your kid or whatever ages when they are generous? How does that make you feel? You're like, oh, gosh, they got it. Oh, gosh. They, I mean, you've taught them, for, you know, when they share their, you know, their, their gummy bear with somebody or whatever, or their fruit snacks. And, you know, you've taught them, and, you, and then they just get it, and they just naturally give. How does that make you feel? Oh, man, it's a home run, right? Well, how do you think it makes our Heavenly Father feel when we are generous? And the, as his children, it makes, it pleases. As I said here, in, in the book of Hebrews, it says this. It says that, that do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It, please the heart, it pleases the heart of God when we share, when we're generous. By faith, we put into action our generosity because we know it pleases our Heavenly Father. But there's more, and I'm going to close with this one here in just a second. Number three is to maximize our generosity. To maximize our generosity. So, so there's realize our generosity, exercise our generosity, and to maximize our generosity. Generosity In Romans 12 and 8 it says, if your gift is, and it names all these gifts, if your gift is this, all these things, if your gift is giving, then it says how we are to give. If it's giving, then give generously. Don't just give, but give gener- generously. To maximize any gift, you have to prioritize it. To maximize any gift, you, you sacrifice for it. To maximize any gift, you, you invest in it. When you, when you have a gift, you make it a priority. Otherwise, it's a wasted gift. And there's nothing, there's nothing more disappointing. There's nothing more, uh, um, there's nothing more regretful than a wasted gift. Have you ever bought somebody something that you, you picked it out, you thought it was the coolest gift, and you gave it to that person, and then they, you know, if it was a dress or a shirt, and they never wore it, and it stayed in their closet, and the tags were still on it? Or even worse, you went over to their house, and it was in their garage sale? <laughs> my, uh, my daughter, I, I bought her these really cool 
Doc Martens. I like Doc Martens. I know they're old school, but I bought her some really cool Doc Martens that like go up just under your knees, and they were red and leather. I've never seen any, any like them before, and man, I got a really good deal on them, and I gave them to my daughter, and they were really cool, and they looked really good in her, you know, on her, on her jeans. I was just really excited about these boots, and like six months later, I saw them on Facebook, and she was selling them. I bought it for her, and she put them online for 70 bucks and got 70 bucks for them. I was like, why did you do that? And she said, because, uh, you know, I need money for the mission trip. I was like, well, what do you say to that, you know? But, you know, when you, there's nothing that feels worse than a gift that is wasted. You know that some of the best singers, that are, are, some of the best singers are the, uh, in the world are people that you've never heard of. Some of the best musicians in the world you've never heard of. Some of the most gifted minds, some of the smartest people in the world you have never heard of. Some of the most gifted athletes in the world you have never heard of in your life. It reminds me of a, a running back that was at OU back in the early 80s. Has anybody ever heard of a guy named Marcus Dupree? I'm just curious. How many have never heard of Marcus Dupree? How many of you have heard of Marcus Dupree? Let me see here. Okay, so about half of us have heard of Marcus Dupree. Half of us haven't. Do you know why you haven't heard of Marcus Dupree? Because I think he quit at about a sophomore age. But I remember watching him play. I was 82. I would have been 14. And I remember watching him play as a freshman. I've never seen a running back like this. He was six foot three and weighed 240 pounds, which that's, not, that's, that's on the upper side of the size of a running back. But what made him unique is he ran a 4-4-40. And he was a gifted runner and ex- incredibly strong. In today's college world, when you watch football, the running backs almost always get ran down because the defensive backs are faster than the running backs. Well, if you can imagine a guy six foot three, 240 pounds, outrunning all the defensive backs, they couldn't catch him once he got away, once he got into open field. And I was watching some of the highlights. The reason I was watching the highlights is I use this as an example. And then I go on YouTube, and then I spend two hours goes by. I'm doing research on him. I just couldn't believe some of the highlights. It actually looked like, and I... Maybe it's just the way it looked, but it actually looked like in a stride that he was covering four yards. I mean, it, I mean, I've never seen anybody run like that. I've never seen anybody be able to cover so much ground. And, and, and I'm sure it's an exaggeration, but it, it just, and then when he hits people or stiffs arm, I'm thinking, my gosh, I've never seen a running back. And then I got to looking at some of the interviews. Does anybody remember Barry Switzer? Well, he says... He, when he's talking about Marcus Dupree, he said, in those days, everybody was trying to recruit Marcus Dupree. So I sent Billy Sims. Everybody know who Billy Sims is? Billy Sims is a, a Heisman Trophy winner from 1970. He says, I put Billy Sims on a, on a private jet and sent him to, I think it was Louisiana, to recruit him, and he came. He said, that's how bad one, And he, this is what he says, and I, I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, Barry Switzer said of Marcus Dupree, he says, he was the most physically gifted running backs who ever came through, the, through here. He was the most. He was the most physically gifted running back. And that says a lot if you knew the way OU football was back then. He, was, he says he was the best, and people that saw him knew he was the best. But half this crowd, he should have been in the NFL Hall of Fame. He should have been a Heisman Trophy winner. We, he should have been one of the greats. He should, he should have had one of those statues up by uh, the campus. If you're an OU fan, you know what I'm talking about. 
but half of us had never heard it. You know why? He didn't maximize his gift. In fact, I don't think he played past a junior in, in, in college. Goes off, nobody, nobody knows what happened. Something happened, there's a long story about what happens, and he doesn't have this long NFL career. He, he doesn't maximize his gift. You know that a lot of people have this incredible gift that gets wasted. And I think that, that I think there are many people in the church and there are many people in, in our nation that have this incredible gift of generosity, but don't maximize it. We take it for granted. We don't create margin in our lives. And I'm telling you, God has something that he wants to do in all of our lives through our gift of generosity, but it must be maximized. Listen, I don't want to waste my gift of generosity. I want to maximize my gift of generosity, don't you? And I'm not talking about massive amounts of giving. I'm just talking about what God has gifted me for. There are a lot of people here that are more gifted to give than I am. But what God has gifted me, I want, to, I want to not only celebrate, but I want to experience what God wants to do in my life through generosity. And my friend, if you haven't experienced that, if, you, if you're just discounting that, I want to tell you something. The, there is a reason why Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. It just doesn't go, it just, it's not just about how you feel when you give. God allows us to partner with him to change the world, our world, financially. And I don't want to miss out on that. Amen? So God has given us that gift, but it must be maximized. And I want to close with this. We all have, we all have this gift of generosity. And if you want to live a life of generosity, it's going to take some intentionality. You got to first realize it's there. You got to exercise that gift. Look for opportunities to be giving. And then you got to maximize that gift. You've got to put some time in it. You got to study the word. You got to study what God has to say about your life and generosity. And when that happens, we walk in this life of not only blessing to others and to his kingdom and his work, but also this enriched life that he's promised us. I don't have time. I have a whole other section of this message that I'm going to have to preach at another time. But what's encouraging in the New Testament is that God gives us this invitation to be generous. In the Old Testament, you didn't have an invitation. You had a commandment. And that commandment was you tithe, and if you tithe, I'll bless you. If you don't tithe, I'll curse you. You can read that in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. You can also read that in Malachi, the third chapter, that, you know, you can be blessed or you can be cursed. You can be obedient and you can walk in blessing. You can, you can, you can be disobedient and you can be cursed. So we had a commandment. We had an ultimatum in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the curse is lifted. When you give your life to Christ, you're not walking in this curse. God is not going to curse you because you're not generous. But there's not this ultimatum, there's this invitation. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, God says, if you will be generous, the Apostle Paul writes this, if you'll be generous, and I'm going to paraphrase, you partner with God to fulfill his kingdom's cause. And what he does, here's, here's the deal. God blesses his church, God blesses the world through his children, through his people. 
And based on our generosity, we can walk in this life, walk through this life with God, and God using us as an instrument of his generosity. And what he does is the scripture tells us that he not only blesses us, but he enriches us and gives us the opportunity to be generous in every way. He resources our lives with that ability as we are obedient, as he sees that he can use us. And that sounds like an incredible thing. That sounds like an offer I can't lose in. And I don't want to miss out on that. And I feel if we're not careful, we miss out on what God wants to do as we are generous. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. As you pray today, I want you to ask God what he could be saying to you. How how can God use us in generosity? How can we walk in our calling of generosity? And as, as we pray, I want you to answer that call. I want you to say yes to what God would speak to you today. And maybe God speaks to you today. Maybe God speaks to you throughout the week. But I want you to be mindful of the fact that God wants to do something in your life through your generosity. If you believe that, say amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And and thank you, Lord, for this gift of generosity. Lord, as we... As we pray today and as we do inventory of our lives, I pray that you will speak to us and say to us what you would have us do. And Lord, I know that you're talking to individuals right now about this gift of generosity. What does that look like? Is that us us using our resources to help others? Is that us taking a step of faith and giving the tithe? Is Is that helping with missions? What is that? Is, is, that, is that us being generous with our time and serving you? What does it look like for us to take a step of generosity, our next step of generosity? Speak to us, and I pray that we answer that calling, that we, we may fulfill our calling to be generous. In Christ's name, everybody said, as you continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. And I know that this has not been a message that reaches people that are far from God. But if you're here today and you have never given your life to Christ, if you're here today and you've never, or, or, or you walked away from God, you're not where you should be with God. I don't want to leave this service without giving you an opportunity. Somebody gave their life to Christ the last service. So I'm telling you, this doesn't have anything to do with me or what I'm talking about. This has to do with whether or not you're here and you don't follow God. We're talking about taking a step with God and generosity. The first step is to give your life to Christ. For God so loved the world that he was generous with his son he gave. So if you're here today and and you don't know Christ, or maybe you walked away from God for some reason and you're not where you should be, whatever the reason is, I want to lead you in a prayer. As we always do, I'm not going to ask you to stand, come down here, single you out. I just want you to pray a prayer just like we prayed. But if I'm going to pray this prayer, I want to know if I'm praying for somebody. So if you're here and you say, Travis, I don't know Jesus. I'm not right with God. And before I leave, I want to be right. And I'd like for you to pray. I'll pray with you. Quickly, just put your hand up and put it down. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'm not going to wait a few. I'm not going to wait very long. If you're here, I just want to know if you're serious. Real quickly, nobody looking around. That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ, and I'm going to pray. Can anybody say that? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here. And I trust we all live for you and serve you. If we don't, I pray that we will surrender our lives to you. And I thank you for this house. I thank you for this church, just a part of your church, what's happening through the generous lives of people. I pray, Lord, that you will minister through Faith Co. Church, that we will be known for our generosity, 
And Lord, you will enrich this church. Lord, you will bless this church as we continue to fulfill your calling through our lives as individuals and as a body of Christ, as a church. And this we ask and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Pastor Travis. Hey, guys.